when does all of this become and is there such a thing as too self-serving but having a practice where i went back and settled in to myself and realized that those desires were actually coming from fear and those desires were coming from a false self that felt if I can control these things in my life, then I'll have peace. I mean, that's really the theme across everything we ever talk about, right? Can you be curious and not judge? Welcome everyone to the Prone to Wonder podcast. I'm Vanessa. I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. And on this episode, we are ranging in our topics. Probably the most interesting conversation to me centers around how far is too far when you are deconstructing, but we also throw in some talks on motherhood and institutions. So buckle up and we're excited you're here. I'm going to start recording. I'm just going to start. I think it, I mean, it fits because that's, I think, a wondering that a lot of women who are deconstructing have because, and not just women that kind of sometimes start to be like, I have women I've known in my life that aren't even religious and in their thirties, they just had like, it seems to happen in your thirties, but they had this moment where it was kind of like, I guess like a midlife crisis. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I've just been... Mm -hmm a mom and a PTA member and a volunteer and all these things like I haven't done anything I want to do like they just like hit this like breaking point kind of I think talking about what Becca was saying that that awakening that happens you know and I do agree that I think it happens around the 30s because I almost feel like in your 20s you're well at least this is my experience feeling like Am I doing this right? Am I enough? Am I, who do I want to be? What, what am I, you know, trying out different spaces, trying out different jobs, different relationships. And it always feels like I need to be better. But I think after a decade of doing that, you start to question the actual environments rather than questioning myself. You know, that quote that says, I used to walk in the room and wish everybody liked me. Now I walk in the room and wonder if I like everyone else. I think that's an interesting shift where you're going from, am I enough to, are these environments actually healthy? And, and we're not really raised to question the environments. We're raised to question ourselves. Did I do good enough on the test? Did I do good enough in the relationship? We don't always ask, is this test or this environment or this job or these expectations even equitable is this relationship with this person, are they even a good person that I want to be in with? You know, we're so desperate for belonging in our 20s and teens even that it's all about, am I good enough for this rather than is this not even good enough, but right for me? And that to me is where the, the questioning really starts getting good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, especially, I'm sure some guys feel this way too. Um, they go through that scripted narrative of go to college, meet your person, get married, wait a year, have kids, then like your life is all the kids. And you get like 
five to 10 years into that and you're just like, wait, what, what? And I think, I think a lot of people hit that point. Like I know a lot of people with kids around that age that were just like, not that they regret their families by any means, but just you get to this point and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> like I was so hyper-focused on this that like, what about all those other things that I like yeah. wanted from my life and who I wanted to be? And now I'm so dug in here. Is there any way that I can still be those things? I think, I think that's a big part of it too. And I think, I don't know how much of this is religion and how much of this is just society, but I think we're often told the systems are good. You just need to be better to fit into them. That's why you're not happy or that's why you're not fulfilled or that's why you feel like an outsider. If you could just fit better into our system, then everything would be fine. And I think this is happening across a lot of systems, especially in this time of our of our lives, whether it's a governmental system, an economic system, or a religious system, even family systems are getting questioned of like, well, maybe it's not me, maybe it's the system. And to be honest, there's probably growth and transform. There is growth and transformation that needs to happen both on an individual and systemic, you know, level for sure. But when it's only ever on the individual's responsibility to fit better into the system and the system is never able to be challenged or shifted, I think that's when revolt starts to come up. (laughs) There's this like there's something wrong with the system too. <laughs> there's, you know, that, yeah. that anger of, it's not always the individual. Yeah. It's just something I kind of want to discuss with you guys, kind of the, another side of that coin, like not devil's advocate, but you know, um, when does all of this become, and is there such a thing as too self-serving? Like, I feel like there's this movement of, you know, everybody finding their truth and um, getting out of unhealthy spaces and which I think is all positive, but is there such a thing as too much of that where it doesn't matter who you hurt or what you do? Like, it's just, you know, burn it all down. Like I have to live authentically, which I see a lot too coming up in like this, um, next generation to, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and so I don't know if it's a partial generational gap or like, but, you know, when I look at kind of like societies, you know, around the world and kind of that village mentality that, that is like a a healthy village, you know, and they all do work together and there is, you know, sacrifice for the greater good, even like, you know, governmentally, like, so like um, social programs, you know, like, like, of course I don't want to be taxed, you know, but, but like, obviously I want like, you know, Janet in Kansas, who's a single mom with two kids to like eat, you know? So it's at what point, or is there a point when it all becomes too self-serving? I think that definitely should be included in the podcast because (laughs) if we can't be prone to wonder on both sides, then what the F are we doing on this podcast? So I, I don't know how Becca feels, but I think that's a, that's a valid question to ask and we should definitely leave it in. 
I think I don't know the answer to it, but I know that I've experienced it and it doesn't feel good when you experience it (laughs) when someone is like, I have to live my best truth and they kind of burn everything around them to the ground and you're one of the things that's around them, you know? Mm, Yeah. Um, And you're just standing there going like, but you couldn't just make an exception, you know, for me or for this. And they're like, no, because that's not what this is. You know, I have to protect Mm -hmm. myself and have these boundaries and yeah, I think that there can definitely be casualties to that. And mm-hmm. so I don't know what the right answer is because I think everybody should be able to do that if they want to, but maybe it's just understanding that it's not this golden ticket to happiness either, you know, like, yeah, you, you're your own person. You can choose to have really intense boundaries and just totally drop things and move in a different direction but like you just have to know that there's that's not going to be all easy either (laughs) there's just not going to be one way that's all easy do you think part of it is whatever foundation or whatever um core that you want to operate out of um like so for me I've kind of landed on so if it's not we've talked about this before, you know, if it's not Christianity or a religion, it's, there's gotta be like something that like a goalpost that you're moving towards. And so for me, and I think Vanessa as well, I know you've mentioned this, it's, it's love, you know, is, is this loving, you know, and, and that's not saying that that's always like easy or like nice to other people, because sometimes the loving thing to do is to set a boundary because it's a very toxic, you know, system or a toxic relationship or whatever that might be, you know, that doesn't mean you bend over backwards for everybody. That's not what, what love is because you have to be loving to yourself too. But then I guess if your guidepost is I have to live as authentic to myself as possible, then maybe there is no too far. So maybe it depends on your guide posts, your, uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think so. And, and I think that that's a hard, I think that that in and of itself is a hard thing for people because I know Nate and I have talked, my husband, Nate, and I have talked about this a lot. He is a seven on the Enneagram. So personality wise, he's really similar to Amber. So a lot of the things that you question Amber are like the same things that pop up to him that are things I would never think of. So it's always so funny to me when those moments happen, but that's one of them. The, if you take away the measuring stick, then what, like, that's his question too. It's like, well, if I'm not abiding by this, like ethical standard or this, this set of rules, then what am I even like, what do I use to, to measure my life? And it's, I think that's a hard thing when you're trying to figure that out for yourselves, because you've just followed this thing that sounded right for so long and felt fine for so long until it didn't. And then there's a lot of questions and a lot of uh, pivoting that happens when you're having to rediscover what that is for yourself and for your life. So one of the things that has really been helpful for me in this process is the understanding that kind of within me, I have two different selves. I have my true self and I have my false self or my ego and my essence or 
my new creation and my old sinful nature, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's this duality within us. And there have been some decisions that I really wanted to make that would have burned down a lot in my life. And I have been, so what I did in that moment is I said, all right, this feels like my authentic self. This feels like what I want to do. But having a practice where I went back and settled in to myself and realized that those desires were actually coming from fear and those desires were coming from a false self that felt if I can control these things in my life, then I'll have peace. It was this delusion that through control and fear and manipulation, I can find the peace that I'm longing for. And I've been doing my own work long enough to know that that is not true. <laughs> that that is not the way, at least not for me. Doing things from a place of fear and control never leads me to peace. It leads me to further chaos. And so I realized that even though that felt like my authentic truth, that felt like something that I needed to do, it was coming from a part of me that was hurt and scared and lonely. And when I continued to breathe and continued to sink deeper and settled into my true self and listened to my true self, what I found was that I, I just knew that wasn't going to bring me peace. And that what I needed to do was actually some inner work rather than just change these external circumstances around me, because the problem was actually deeper than just this situation needs to go. And that was really, really difficult for me, but it helped me realize that oftentimes the decisions that we want to make that feel like, well, no, I shouldn't say oftentimes, sometimes the decisions that we want to make that feel, and I may still make that decision, right? The decision that I was contemplating, I may still make, but what I didn't want to do was make it from the place of fear and control and lack. And I need something outside of myself to bring me peace. And so if I can just control this, then I'll feel better. I may still make that decision, but I didn't want to make it from that self running the show. Um, so to me, that's where I, it's almost like um, I was thinking about this with, with dieting and with eating food. And I, I feel like there's kind of two unhealthy ways to eat. Either I'm completely disconnected from my body. So I just eat whatever makes me feel good. But then that ends up kind of just, you know, you're not very healthy if you're just eating chips and popcorn and ice cream and, you know, whatever all day. Or I don't trust my, my cravings at all. So I am going to, to the letter and to the T control every single morsel of food that goes into my body. And if it's not broccoli and white meat, chicken and quinoa, then I'm not having it. Right. But neither of those are actually connected to my true intuition and my body. And what I've been learning in my diet is when I'm actually connected to my body, which takes longer, then I can pay attention to my cues, pay attention to my hunger, pay attention to when it's emotional eating or when it's eating that's coming from a good place. And I'm, I'm not really falling into either side of the, you know, who cares, I'm going to eat chips all day long, or I can only eat what's on my meal plan and nothing else. Because there's a connection to my body that wasn't there with either of those options. And so that's kind of how I, I view this as well. Like, yes, do whatever feels right to you, but also make sure that that's connected and not just a swirling fear. 
Okay, so I have a question then because I feel like there may be people listening whose brain works like mine that are like very skeptical by nature. Like, well, you just contradicted what you said earlier. So I want to ask you about it. You know, earlier you said that we grow up thinking that we're the problem and not the environment and that we need to realize that that default is not always right. But then just a second ago, you said it wasn't the environment. It was you that needed to do work. <laughs> so, so I, difference, the motivation to you, like where to you the difference? Cause I don't want anyone thinking to be like, yes, it's not me. It's the environment. And then be like, Oh, but it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the tricky thing. The environments we grow up in those messages get stuck into our brains and into our hearts and because and that's what makes up our super ego. Our super ego is made up of the voices that we have internalized all throughout our lives. And those voices typically come from the structures and environments we were a part of, but then they they're sticky. They they embed themselves. It's almost like having a tick or a leech. You can't just it won't just fall off unless you identify it, confront it and take action to remove it. And so it's not me, but it, it kind of is an inner voice that I have to pay attention to because sometimes we don't recognize the difference. Sometimes those external messages often become a part of our own internal landscape. Um, so I don't know. That's And again, that's just how my brain works of how I kind of like um, locate those different parts of myself. <laughs> And I think it's really important also, you know, even the question like, is it, am I the thing that's wrong or is it the institution, the thing that's wrong? That feels like a very final kind of judgment. Like this is wrong or that is wrong. And I've come to think of it more in the sense that I am always going to need to transform and change and leave some things behind and embody some things new and I don't, I don't think that means that I was wrong in the past, or I don't think that means that I'm wrong now. If I'm going to be different tomorrow, that doesn't mean this form was wrong. It just means that I'm a human who is always transforming and changing and finding out things about myself and deciding that that's no longer who I want to be. And so I kind of let go of that, but I, now I have this, but this might not serve me five years from now. And so I'll remove that. And so as humans, we're always going to be in a state of transformation. You could look at it as growth. Oh, you were unhealthy before and now you're healthier. Or you could just say you were who you were before and now you've transformed and now you're in this form and this form will probably be transformed as well. But is that like, mean like, you are bad, you know? I like, I feel energetically, like when I close my eyes, the image I get for stuff like this is more like, like an ocean with like waves just coming in in rolls, like, and coming in and out and in and out. Like you wouldn't say one's good or bad waves when they're in are not good and out aren't bad. Like it's just this constant like ebb and flow and movement. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think permission to change your mind and permission to change granted because that's huge right yeah. and to be able to say yeah that was what I I felt resonant before but now 
I feel resonant with this. It doesn't mean that was wrong. That's where I was then, you know? And I think being able to take the judgment off of it is really big. I mean, that's really the theme across everything we ever talk about, right? Can you be curious and not judge? Can you find a way to be curious and and not put a judgment on it or yourself? Like that's a hard, that's a hard practice because that's just human nature. But even in this, I think it's a big part of it. Right. Yeah. Oh, and it, it's so important because I think there's so much tied into that. So I've had conversations with friends who are deconstructing saying, I don't even know how to think about that time in my life when I was so involved in church and felt it so passionately. Was I, was I delusional? Was I deceived? Was I faking it? Was I whatever? And I, and again, I can't, I can't tell them that, but what I suspect is you were authentically operating out of what you truly genuinely believed in that time. And now that belief structure no longer serves you. Like it doesn't, there doesn't have to be even this guilt over, but I used to be in it and now I feel terrible. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, that was the season that it was. And do we need to judge it? Do we need to say that that was like, I shouldn't have or whatever you were doing the best you could with what you knew And that phase even led you to where you are now. So it kind of needed to be a part of your journey and just kind of embracing all of it. In the moment when I was a worship leader, I truly felt everything that I said and that I sang and that I helped grow in that community. I resonated really deeply with it. In fact, I have conversations with people who were in that band with me still. And we talk about missing the feeling of doing that music in that way, missing the, the energy, the resonance, feeling that sort of really intense connection with a crowd of people. Um, and how there's so few places in the world to feel that. And so we all talk about it with that same nostalgia, I guess, you know, and, and, while we are all in different places of our life now, I don't think anybody looks back and is like, oh, I was lying to everybody the whole time. Like, no, in the moment we, we felt that way, but we, we had things happen or, or we evolved and grew as people, or we just made decisions that moved us into a space where we couldn't say, I feel the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's the difference. It's not that we chose to go from good to bad or right to wrong. Just- I mean, the gray is, is really hard. I don't think anybody wants to live there. Um, at least it's not, it's not an easy choice. It's not like, yeah, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll go with tension all the time. That'd be great. Um, I mean, especially for me and my personality, I mean, I'm a Enneagram seven, so I already don't like, you know, tension. And then, um, I have anxiety, so it's really not something that sits well with me. I just like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, I, I very much like certainty. It helps me, helps me function, you know, like it's funny, you know, Vanessa, you're talking about the diet thing. And, and even with that, like, it's hard for me. I'm like, just tell me what to eat. I'll, <laughs> I'll eat it. And that's one reason essential oils pissed me off <laughs> because I, I would look it up like, you know, like for a headache and they'd be like, well, you could do this or this or this combination or this. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the little rollerball, which one to grab and what to do with it. Like, I don't want options. Like I just, just tell me. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I 
hired a trainer after my surgery. It's like, just somebody tell me what to do with this body. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, um, and, and so I think it's, it's a super common thing that people don't like Mm -hmm. gray, you know, they just want black and white. And when you are deconstructing or changing beliefs or coming out of environments or staying in environments or in relationships or out of relationships and whatever, whatever it is, when you're experiencing any sort of growth or change at your foundation, really, of the things that you've always believed, it, it unsettles all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide, you know, what shade of gray each one's going to be, or if something, okay, well, this needs to be black and white, I need to get out of here, you know, or Mm -hmm. it's not a comfortable place to be. Um, It's really not. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like, it's like exercise, you know, like when you, if you've ever exercised and then like you do a leg day and you try to go down the stairs the next year, day and you're like, why the hell did I like what everything hurts and I'm dying, you know? And in the end, I'm glad I did it because I'm stronger, I'm healthier, I'm, you know, all the things, but it also sucks. <laughs> you know, it's not something I, I mean, I know there are people that enjoy working out or whatever, and I, I don't get those people, but congratulations. Um, I think it kind of reminds me of being like, okay, let me preface this by saying, I am not saying that anybody who is listening that is not actively deconstructing is not as mature. But I, I want to say it feels similarly to when you're a kid and you're like, I you look at teenagers and grownups and you're like, oh my gosh, they can just eat whatever they want whenever they want. They don't have to ask their parents. They can eat ice cream for dinner if they want. Like I remember when I went to college, like everybody, right? That's why freshman 15 is a thing. You realize like you have complete freedom over this. And if you want to drive to like Taco Bell at 1am, like who's going to stop you? And it's like, you look at those things from the other side and you're like, oh, you can just go on a trip. You don't have to go to school every day. Like grownups can just do whatever they want during the day. And it looks so amazing. And then you get to being a grownup and you realize that like- There that, are taxes. That <laughs> comes with like so much other stuff, right? Like you're like, oh my gosh, like I wish I was just a kid and someone just told me what to do and gave me food all day long and like told me when to nap. But when you were a kid, it was horrible. Like it feels very similar, that dynamic to me where like before you're like, oh man, look at those people just making whatever choice they want. They don't have to abide by this one set of rules. They can go out and do whatever they want, live their best life, burn it all down, all these things. You get to the other side and you're like, okay, yeah, I can do that. But there's like a lot of responsibility (laughs) and a lot of other things that now I have to do that no one else is doing for me. And like, you kind of just feel like this, like, it's just like that meme about adulting. It was like, what's the one thing that you thought was going to be great that isn't? And everyone's like being a grown up. Thought it was going to be awesome. It turns out not so awesome. But I feel similar, like that similar energy to me where it's just like, yeah, like you can do more things, but you're also going to have to do more things. <laughs> so yeah, Right. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. And, you know, and it, it's why you see the pendulum swing also of just tell me what to do you know, regulate everything for me, but that's not actually how our humanity was made. And so the restriction feels suffocating. So then we swing over to, you know, that's where you have like diets and binging, right? Like I'm going to be super good. I'm going to be super regimented. I'm only going to do this. And then you swing the pendulum and you're like, give me all that food. You know, I was like stuffing your face. And Vanessa, are you hungry? I feel like a lot of your analogies are (laughs) around dieting. 
I was just thinking about it a lot this morning. I am hungry, actually, but I don't usually eat until a couple hours from now. But, yeah, it's just that whole, like, full rebellion because you're like, Exactly, exactly. And that's why I think we we do see a lot of uh, kids in religion, you know, the the Amish who have the, what is it, Rumspringa? Rumspringa. Yeah. So First of all, I am so pro Rumspringa. I think that is (laughs) the most genius like adult parenting move ever what's crazy is the statistics on that so many of them come back that's what I'm saying no like I've I've read up on it and I was like this is freaking genius because sometimes you do you just need to go out and taste Mm -hmm. a bunch of things and see because sometimes the buildup of something is is much bigger than okay, no, I don't actually want that in my life. I just wanted to like try it, you know, like, and be able to give a place to do that without shame and without tons of negative repercussions. I mean, obviously whatever they do in that time, they have to deal with, but like they can still come back. It's not a, if you ever go do this thing, you can never come back here kind of thing. Uh, Amish, Amish. It's so genius. They, I was having a conversation with a friend who also grew up homeschooled and very restricted in what was allowed. And, you know, they have since moved into like a lot of experimentation with a lot of things. And they were kind of like feeling a little guilty, but also like happy about it. And I told them, you know, we are not so different from little children. Our bodies need to learn things. We need to learn them through touching, through tasting. You know, kids lick everything because they want to know, like, what does this feel like? What does this taste like? If I jump off, you know, the edge of this thing, what will happen to me? And we as adults know. So we're the ones who are like, don't touch that. You know, stay away from the edge, you know, do all this stuff because we know what it feels like. But for a kid, the only way they can learn what's safe and what's not safe is by physically doing things, sensory experiences. And so I was telling my friend, because some of the things that they had experienced, they were like, I don't think that's what I actually want to do, but I needed to feel it in my body before I could know this isn't what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, a hundred percent. It's the living out of something that kind of allows you to sense, yeah, that was outside of my safety or my comfort or what, what feels good to my heart. And when it's not ever allowed to be felt in the body, again, there's that like pendulum swing of then how do I know, right? Then how do I trust my intuition if my intuition has never jumped off the edge of that thing and it doesn't know what it feels like? There's no reference for it. I think having having that mindset with ourselves is huge, like huge. Just being able to be like, or with your partner or with your immediate family unit, like if you can create those spaces, they're really challenging, but if you can create those spaces to be like, Hey, I know that you are really feel like you need to like go out and see what this thing is about or try this thing or look into this new idea or whatever. And I feel so solid about us that it's okay for you to do it. Like, I I'm still going to love you. We're still here. Like, it's Mm -hmm. fine. I know this, that you just need to do it. You need to just fall on your face sometimes you need to just stick your hands in the mud sometimes right to to just be able to say okay like now I know what that was and yeah that was fun or that was cool or whatever but that was all I needed from it and I think that it's so huge especially in 
all aspects of this in, mm-hmm. in deconstructing and figuring out who you are and reconnecting to your body and refiguring out your boundaries and relationships, like all of these things, like being able to have that mentality of I'm safe to explore these things is big. Mm-hmm. It is. And yet I will also acknowledge raising kids that way is so hard. It yeah, is so or... stinking hard. Like it's one thing to say it from this side of like, yeah, don't control me. I need to know what I need to know. And then my kids are like, can I have a fifth piece of candy? And I'm like, no candy for you. You've reached your limit. Like no, I'm, I'm trying. Only with me, with my kids. Yeah. Go out, explore with other people, but immediately listen to what I say. <laughs> yeah. Everything I say is correct. Everybody else question. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> true. Oh my gosh. We've got to do the parenting episode soon because good Lord. I was just telling Jared how like exhausting it is to raise like independent, a little like, you know. Yeah. My kids are a little wild. Like they're not, you know, calm, obedient, you know. I mean, like they're respectful, but they're not, you know. And like living in that tension as a parent, like, sweet Jesus, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Only like 12 um, years to go. It's fine. I regret the day that I taught my kids how to say, I respectfully disagree. Like, because <laughs> like, I like taught them, you know, I've taught them, like, I want them to have the autonomy to have a differing opinion. But I was like, but this is how you do it. You have to, you know, you don't just yell in someone's face, but you're like, I respectfully disagree. Can I state my case or can I whatever? And now I'm like, (laughs) I respectfully disagree that vegetables are a necessity. (laughs) But it's been so good because I've been a lot of what we've been working on recently with the kids is, well, check in with your body, check in with your body. I was at, so my youngest just got a little goodie bag at school because it was some kid's birthday. So she's in the car and she's like, mommy, can I have this lollipop? And I'm like, well, check in with your body and tell me if it feels like that would be a good, you know, feel good to your body. So I hear her in the back of the car, buddy, do you want this sugary, delicious lollipop? And then she goes, yes, I think I do. Okay. And then she's like, I checked in with my body. It said yes. I'm like, okay. That reminds me of that real sound where it's the mom and she's like, yeah, one Chick-fil-A. And then it's like the Pacific Coast mom and she's like, do you guys want vegan lobster? Ask your body. Does it want vegan lobster? (laughs) Exactly. But then later on in the day, she was like, mommy, I have a tummy ache. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. What do you, what do you think? And she was like, well, after I had the lollipop, I also had two other candies from the bag. And she was like, I think that was too much. I think I should have just had the lollipop. And I was like, okay, well, there you go. Now you, now you know what your body can handle. And so even just like Little things like that. I mean, I could have told her, no, you're going to be sick, but she felt it. And now she, I mean, she's only four, so it'll probably have to be a lesson she learns often, but still. All right. We're, going we real, we're already going real in the parenting. <laughs> like we're already starting the next one. Um, so basically, that, that, that. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> to be continued. Come we'll do week. that one next week. Come back next week for all the parenting advice in the world. We're perfect. Um, <laughs> Amber, but we can't I, control this. This is just our organic <laughs> process. <laughs> okay, guys, check in with your body. Does it feel like this is a good stopping point? I have a question. What? 
this is going to swing us on a tangent, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because shock, um, your authentic truth. So, you know, it's my truth. No, I had it earlier, but then we got on kids and it didn't fit. So I'm just going to ask anyway. Uh, okay. So how much do we think this is universal experience and how much do we think personalities affect the experience? So I like gray. I like living in the spaces between. I hate labels. I hate feeling like someone just so easily put me into a, you're just this. And I always have, even before deconstructing. I'm the same way now. I don't want people to put me in a box as a mom and what that means I should act and how that means I should behave or in any of these things. And I, even though there is tension and I feel it constantly and it can be exhausting emotionally, I would rather feel that than feel nothing and be in a, in a full label box. So I'm curious, I'm curious how different the experiences are based on just our personality filters, right? Because I can come on here and say, this is my experience and this is how it is. And here's my tips. But everybody who's not similar to me is going to be like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I do well, not. That's why I think it's great that we all have such different personalities and experiences because it is different. And so I think, I think listeners can hear or hopefully find a little bit of themselves, you know, in each one of us, or, you know, I know somebody listening is like, oh, well, I relate to Vanessa because this and this, or I relate to Becca because this and this. So I feel, I feel like it totally plays a point. Like my husband is the fiveiest five that's ever five. He's a five wing four, if anybody knows what that means. And so he operates very differently from me. I mean, he's been, it's funny. I remember him asking these questions at like, you know, in high school. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you asking these questions? You know? And so I looked at him last night and I was like, Oh babe, I finally get you when you were 17, like almost 20 years ago. <laughs> like, it just took me Aww. a long time to catch up. So I feel like everybody, you know, is different. And I think that's one of the, the beauties of us all three sharing our experiences. And I think the kids are fighting. Um, so um, the, uh, oh my gosh, sorry. I'm like so distracted because I hear the, the screaming and the running. Um, <laughs> can you guys hear that? No. No. Okay, great, mm -hmm. great, 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 great. That makes me feel better because I don't need that broadcast. <laughs> my house is falling apart. So speaking of parenting, um, but yeah, I think that's yeah. really the beauty of us all coming from a different space, you know, is that it is different for everyone. I mean, because it's not only personality, but it's, how you grew up because somebody with my exact personality who you know grew up non-christian or like a hippie or you know whatever is gonna have a really different experience and you know that me but I, I definitely think as far as like living in that tension there are people that are built for it Jared loves my husband loves philosophizing and um reading everything and listening to I mean, he's always been that way, you know, questioning like everything. Who doesn't need, he seems like a person who similarly to me doesn't need to have it defined or labeled. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Just being like, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, let's talk about all these things, but like not actually settling in on one. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely more him. And as you all know, I am not <laughs> that way, but I have, 
I think that part of my growth has been I have become much more comfortable with the gray um, because people ask, people do ask me like, so what do you think now? Like, where are you? And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't a hundred percent know. I haven't settled. And sometimes that's frustrating for me. Um, honestly, sometimes I'm really like, it's funny the other day I was trying to meditate and I was just like, flip a table F it because I was like, why? I was like, can I just, I'm just going to go back to regular and <laughs> like, just not try to do like, this is stupid. Like just let me just, it was so much easier when I was just like, these are the things that we do. This is how we do it. The end. And so, I mean, I still deal with that to some degree, but I think part of my growth and, um, you know, being in very tight community with you guys has made me like more comfortable or at least tolerable <laughs> to, um, to sitting in that. Well, as the Enneagram coach, <laughs> um, <laughs> there are, there are personality types that I think are more okay with gray than others and somewhat black and white. I feel like I'm okay with gray. Well, I feel like I don't want anyone to tell me what to do, but once I settle on something, it's kind of black and white for me, you know, like, mm. so that's, you know, makes me kind of a pain in the ass, but I'm, I am working to let that <laughs> go. But um, yeah, I, I think there is differences and I, I feel pretty comfortable with gray. I like the exploration. I like the, the journey of it. I do have this craving to have things settled. Um just so that I feel like things make sense, but I'm, I, it, the, the inquiry excites me also. Like it doesn't terrify me. It makes me excited. So it's funny. I feel like I'm on this end and Becca's on this end and you're like kind of in the middle <laughs> yeah. personality wise, as far as being yeah. okay with that. Yeah, um, like my, I, I feel that my challenge is to force myself to not be mm -hmm. this and mm -hmm. try like, to try to create tension or uh, to try to unlabel something that doesn't need to be unlabeled. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of my challenge because I, I prefer it. So I have to like rein that in, in my personality and be like, this doesn't have to be a mess right now. Like stop, stop creating things that you don't need to deal with right now. Like you're, that can be fine for a little while. It doesn't all mm -hmm. have to be so like unlabelable and unknowable and <laughs> esoteric and different. It can just be, it's mm. funny how everybody like, I just think it, I just think everybody's personalities, uh, oh, the word just flew out of my brain. Like a, not, it's a cooler word than effect, but I think everybody's personalities affect their experience mm -hmm. more than they influence. Yeah, it's that's not still not it, but uh, more than they realize, and because yeah. it's our it's our mind and our body and our experience, we just think this is the way everything is, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like people like people with mental illnesses that like affects how they process the information coming into them. Like they just that's their world to them, and so it's so mm -hmm. hard when you're outside of that, you know. I think it's similar with this and personality. I think someone coming in can be like, oh my gosh like I can't do that you know because it's not not one of their strong strong suits or they get really mm -hmm. stuck on one thing anyway I just thought it interesting we should yeah. do like a series on like how each number <laughs> deals with it and struggles yeah. and I feel like our listeners are probably the kind of people that know their Enneagram number <laughs> like, um, 
deconstructing and awakening for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's all the here's all the things that are going to be like real hard for you. That's going to yeah. be Vanessa's masterclass. <laughs> I wanted. I have really wanted to do a workshop on enneagram and deconstructing because they're very linked. Just the idea that there's more than one way to be in the world and to view the world and they're all equally valid. Like all of that just kind of lends itself to the exploration and the openness. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd love that to do that. You're prone to wander mini course that like Ooh. pulls people out. That's what I just said. So that's going to be Vanessa's masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I don't, it. I think I would, I think that, she was just like, oh yeah, masterclass. But I mean, I meant like, really? <laughs> yeah, no. I know you yeah, did. No. Just like reiterating, like, no, actually, that oh, was yeah, got a it. great one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we hope this has at least given you some good things to think about because really only you are going to know the answer to that and, you know, maybe your therapist. But um, <laughs> we hope this has given you like some jumping off points of, ways that you can work through these questions and, you know, wondering if, if it's you or if it's the space you're in. So um, I hope, we hope this is helpful. (laughs) Um, We know it gave you no answers, but that's, you know, not what we're here for. So if you have any questions or thoughts on the episode, we'd love for you to find us on Instagram, um, prone to wonder co that's where we're at. Find us there and drop us a DM and let us know what you're thinking or if you vehemently disagree with one of us or if something has helped you. We would we would love to know those things to keep pointing towards conversations that are helpful for you guys and not just cathartic for us to yell at each other <laughs> in a Zoom call. So thanks for listening as always and we'll see you next week.